everyone. Welcome to this community episode of the Motherkind podcast. This is the place where you're going to feel less alone, where you might just hear your story told through the words of another and where you are definitely going to access more compassion for yourself and others as we go through this wild ride of motherhood together. This week is Emma's story and it's one of loss and grief and how navigating your matrescence with grief isn't talked about enough. I hope that you find comfort and inspiration in Emma's words. Here it is. Well, Emma, we were just laughing because we were sharing our love for having a washing machine on holiday and how much of a game changer that is. You just got back, didn't you? Where did you get back from? Yeah, so we were just on a family holiday away to my husband's parents' house. So they happened to live in Germany. So it was the best of both worlds because we stayed in a little apartment in a little town next to the parents. We had a washing machine, which was a lifesaver. So I don't have that much laundry to do. And I was saying, I don't think I can ever go away again without a washing machine. Number one criteria. Well, I was telling you, we went to Tenerife at Easter into a hotel, but there was a washing machine in the hotel. So I did a little bit of laundry every single day. I loved doing it. It was joyful when you don't have the rest of the mental load. It was just great. And then I came back with this suitcase full of clean, washed, folded clothes. Honestly, my husband Guy was like, why are you so excited about this? I was like, because it's just another thing that we don't have to think of when we get back. That's exactly. I was enjoying it in a way when I was doing it abroad because I was like, I don't have to do it. And then I was just able to put the clothes away. Incredible. But yeah, no, it was a really nice holiday. And because of that, actually, this week has been really nice. Because I think whenever you go away on holiday, you then appreciate, oh, we have lots of rooms that boys can play in and we're getting into our own little routine. So actually, yeah, it's been really lovely. Mm, well, I'm so excited to chat to you today and for everyone in the Motherkind community to hear your story because it's an incredibly emotional and moving one. So... Tell us about your story. Tell us about your your journey in motherhood. Sure. So I'm a mum of two boys. I've got a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And it all started back, well, five years ago, so I can do the maths, <laughs> when I was pregnant with my oldest. And so I was about seven weeks pregnant. I was working as a teacher at the time. And as you can probably hear, I'm Irish. And I would go back to Ireland every half term. So I had it all planned out. I was going to do my early scan. I had a holiday planned with one of my best friends and my oldest friend, Becky. We were going to go to Gran Canaria. So she was going into her final year of university. Um, She was diagnosed with cancer when she was 24, but she had been doing really well. And as I said, she was going into her final year. So we thought it'd be really nice to go to Gran Canaria. And then we'd fly back together to Ireland. And then I'd announce my pregnancy to my mum. So a week before the half term, I got a phone call to say that there was a good chance that mom had cancer, like a 98% chance. And if she did have cancer, it's a very aggressive form. So I flew home the next day and it was just a bit of a, a crazy week because she passed away six days later. So leading up to that, all of our family were together and it was, well, it came out that I was pregnant, even though I hadn't done a scan, but I felt pretty pregnant. I felt pretty morning sick. 
like at one stage it looked like I kicked my mother off her deathbed because she was sitting in the chair beside the bed but that was because it was the most comfortable position for her but I was I looked like I was really hung over but I wasn't I was just morning sick and uh, all my family were like trying to give me snacks so it was just a really crazy time and it was really nice because she was able to tell everyone that I was pregnant but kind of in that week leading up you know I was texting Becky and I was like I'm so sorry I'm not you know obviously can't go to Grand Canaria but her health is starting to deteriorate as well so on the very last night before mom passed myself and my sister stayed in the room with her and it was actually a really nice night we were kind of reminiscing and it was coming up to Monday morning and I remember this really well because I knew that there was a place I could get a scan just 10 minute walk away so in the morning myself and my sister met our other family members and then we kind of took over because we wanted to make sure someone was with her at all times. And I went with one of my sisters and I got a scan and the heartbeat was there. Everything was, you know, great. And um, I walked out of the, I don't know what to call it. It's not a surgery. It's the place where the scan was. And I got the phone call to say that mom had passed away. So it was pretty much within minutes, like at the same time. So it was just a really, really crazy time. And then at the same time, we were trying to clear up like mom's belongings and we found out that Rebecca's cancer had actually gone to her brain. So I wasn't even able to see her because she was immunocompromised. I was a bit run down. I really wanted to see her, but I couldn't. And yeah, so the next couple of months, I just threw myself back into work because it was a half term and I had a two week half term and I didn't really have to take that much time off work. So I just went back to work as a teacher, just as normal. Then that Christmas, I went to Germany to spend it with my husband's family and I got the phone call to say that Becky had passed away. So flew back to Ireland by myself again. So we had the funeral for her. Um, But it was again such a weird time being pregnant because it was really nice to focus on. I threw myself into work. I got another job as a consultant and yeah, just kept working and working. But then when Daniel came along, he's my oldest, it was just incredible. I think it was just such a massive relief to have such joy in my life and to focus on motherhood. And I think it could have gone either way, but I really, really loved it. And it was amazing. But what I think what I didn't realize at that time is we were in such a bubble. And then Daniel was nine months old when we had lockdown. That actually, because we were safe in our bubble, I didn't quite realize what I was missing out. So I didn't really have that many trigger moments or anything. We just had a lovely summer with it, you know, our new baby. So fast forward to then the next September, I got pregnant again with my second and had Will. And then it all kind of got a lot more difficult after I had Will. And I think there was many reasons for that. I think it was having a second child. I was like, wow, this is not two times harder. This is 10 times harder. And nobody told me this. (laughs) I'm going to blame my sister for that because I looked at them and I think, oh, that's a nice age gap. But yeah, it was incredibly tough. But because we were coming out of the pandemic, I could see grandparents everywhere. I was like, oh, I didn't see these guys before. Where, Where did they all crop up from? And I just didn't quite realize at the time. And I found it so useful, like listening to your podcast, the idea of matrescence, of how, you know, you're finding your own identity. Of course, you're thinking of your mother all the time in your relationship with her, that it is pretty constant. There's a lot of trigger moments that come up consistently, but it really was for years later that that started happening. It wasn't straight after when Daniel was born. 
But again, listening to one of your podcasts in particular, I think it was Lisa Oliveira. And even though like since then I've had therapy and that's kind of one of my take home messages that just get therapy, like everyone get therapy. You don't have to, you know, have lost close people to you. It's just incredible. But even after therapy, listening to her podcast, talking about how these wounds open up when you're, you know, when you become a mother, of course they do. And of course you think about your childhood and of course you think about your mother. But I feel like I had to go through it to realize that. But also it's so nice to know that it's a thing, that matrescence is a thing. And that actually to feel validated is so important and to feel that I think there was a time when I'd be grieving and I thought that it was linear, like over time, it gets easier and grief just doesn't work like that. And I think if you don't know that, then you might think, what's wrong with me? If you don't get better, you don't move on, you never move on. But of course life will get, I mean, easier to some extent because of course you can live your life. But I think that grief is all encompassing. I think when you're in those moments of grief, you think, okay, am I ever going to feel okay again? Even if it's just for an hour or, you know, a minute, but yeah, you are going to feel okay again. I think it's just nice to feel validated and to feel normal and to feel that, yeah, of course, you're going to feel these feelings through matrescence. And I think as soon as you accept that, that makes it so much easier. And I think that was one of my big takeaways from therapy and from listening to your podcast was actually accepting it makes it easier. I don't know what it is about that, but I feel like the more you kind of push it away, you are making it harder for yourself in a way, if that makes any sense. Yeah, gosh, I just can't imagine how hard that must have been to have two such close, surprising and quick and shocking losses. It's really a hard thing to have gone through, isn't it? Yeah, I think it was just challenging because I think my brain just couldn't quite fathom it. And I think for a long time, my brain actually couldn't process losing Rebecca. Like it it could process mom because I was there at the end. And actually, even though it was incredibly quick and incredibly tough, we were all there together. We could see it happen I was able to process it a bit more. It was all encompassing because I was pregnant and I was thinking about motherhood. Whereas with Rebecca, it took me like probably a year until I could really actually think and kind of delve into that grief. And I think that's the thing about grief as well. And and with the timeline of things that it might hit you in a year or two or three, not necessarily at that time. And I think everyone has their own way of coping with it. And I do feel quite passionate about talking about it because I don't think that we talk about it nearly enough. And when I do hear someone talking about kind of their own grief, it might be baby loss, it might be miscarriage, it might be whatever it is. I do really appreciate when someone talks about it because I think that we celebrate and of course we should celebrate births and we talk about birth stories. And I think that's a way of kind of processing this major life event that happens, but we don't talk about death stories or like how people die or how people are, we we might say and acknowledge their loss, but actually to have those conversations, I kind of feel like in a way, well, they die and then that's it. Then we're just kind of have to process it by ourselves to some extent because it's their own journey. But I feel like if we have those difficult conversations, we can open up that conversation and actually 
you know, I appreciate that my circumstance is quite unique, but everyone has their own story. Everyone has their own difficulties. And the more that we can talk about it, the more that we can normalize it. I think personally, I'd much rather someone ask me or talk to me about kind of the bigger, more meaningful questions as opposed to just ignoring it. Because I think at first, I think I was afraid of crying, (laughs) which is a bit ridiculous. Like I didn't listen to music for a long time. Number one, because I love podcasts. But number number two, a song would come on and I would just burst into tears. And I'm like, well, okay, that's embarrassing. I don't want to look like the crazy person who's crying. But now I'm like, that's okay. Like if, you know, Frozen comes on or The Lion King song comes on and I'm so, every single time The Lion King, I am in floods of tears. That's okay. That's okay. And it's okay for my children to see that as well. And then I can explain it's okay to cry. And, and sometimes we feel sad. A minute later, we're dancing to Akuna Matata. Like it's... <laughs> so, you know, that's life and life is a roller coaster. And I think that as a country, and it's the same in Ireland, we're just not good at talking about it and it's like we're afraid to show emotion and I think that you know if I see Mother Day cards and Tesco's and I'm crying I'm like that's okay I'll be okay when I walk around the next aisle (laughs) but for the most part I'm not crying and I want to give kind of hope to people out there who are going through a hard time or who are grieving of course I mean it sounds cliche and I don't want ever to patronizing but it does pass and those really overwhelming moments of grief like that's okay just you know dive into it (laughs) like if you want to dive into it dive into it if you don't that's also okay and you can go back to that later however way you want to deal with it is okay I heard Liz Gilbert who's this incredible writer that I like talking about the death of her partner and she was saying she went into this complete workaholism after it she just couldn't process it and she said that so many people were saying to her you need to slow down you need to grieve and she's saying that's not right it was right for me to delay those feelings for a year or two and then dive into them she says that we don't know what grief should quote unquote look like for anyone it is different for every single person and I really heard you say that that actually when the time was right for you to start processing you did. You were right on time. And I think that's such a powerful message, isn't it? That's exactly it. Like it's going to depend on your life circumstances, well, whether you're able to deal with it at that time, you know, whether you have young children or not, or whether you're able to process it. And I think for me, like having a support network and talking to people and giving yourself a break, another kind of an overwhelming theme of the podcast, it's that we are so hard on ourselves and I think even after my first therapy session, I was like, wow, life is so much easier now. I'm not beating myself up for letting my children watch TV for half an hour while I make the dinner. <laughs> like We are so hard on ourselves. And especially for going through hard times, we have to be so much easier to ourselves. I know like one of the things that was challenging was when Will was a baby, he kept struggling with his breathing when he was sick and he, we had to go in and out of hospital. So for a long time, it just felt like survival mode. For a long time, again, I wasn't able to kind of process my own feelings or, or have any sort of that space. But now that we're kind of gone past that, so it turns out he has asthma and it's a bit more manageable now. I think that it's incredibly important. And I would say this to any of my friends as well, to have that time and space to yourself. 
however that looks like, you know, whether that's cooking the dinner or going out for exercise to knowing like, what is your outlet? Because I think in the short term, going through those moments of survival mode, of course you can get through it. It's like a sprint, but motherhood is a marathon and we have to look after ourselves. And I can't remember who it was on the podcast. I'm rubbish with names. I probably shouldn't have been a teacher. <laughs> I'm, I'm so terrible. But um, she was talking about, so she had lost her partner and she said subsequently, kind of with her new partner, she was ranking in terms of order of importance. And she said, okay, I'm going to put myself first. I think we just really need to look after ourselves first and we need to foster our relationships as well. Then our children and then work because it's like getting the oxygen on the airplane. If we don't look after ourselves, if we don't look after our partners and our foster our relationships, well, what are we going to have at the end? And I think that makes a lot of sense because I think as women and mothers, we are very good, as I say, beating ourselves up and feeling guilty and not looking after ourselves, which is incredibly important ordinarily, but also if you're going through a hard time. Yeah. I mean, gosh, I'm just, you know, that's a lesson that I get to hear most days and I get to practice it most days. And it's life-changing that shift. It is so life-changing. I wanted to ask you about how you needed support at that time, because there might be people listening who are supporting friends or family or colleagues through grief. What were some of the most helpful things that your friends did or said? And what were some of the least helpful? There's two things that I found really helpful. So number one was practical support, especially with Will being so ill. We'd go into hospital quite regularly, like every three colds, let's say. So that was quite exhausting because then, you know, we also had Daniel. So to be able to offer and know that I could rely on people to mind Daniel to not think, oh, we don't have local support because we don't have families around and, oh, you know, my parents are not here. And to not just even say, oh, I'm here to help, but actually say, right, Saturday at three o'clock, I'm going to, you know, take one of the boys. That I find incredibly helpful because I'm not anymore, but I used to be really struggled to ask for help. And I think a lot of us are like that. But that actually helped me to ask for help a lot more. And I feel guilty in a way because I want to help my friends more, but now I'm in a position to do so. And I knew that that day would come. The other thing I'd say is just asking your friend or whoever it is, just if they want to talk about it. The problem with that is most of the times I speak to my friends are at play dates <laughs> and, you know, and there's like little snippets of conversation. So that's a really challenging one too. So I would say if you do see your friend, you know, with a glass of wine or something like that to open up a dialogue, I'd say. But yeah, honestly, the key thing is thinking about practical support to really help your friend. I remember going back after my mom had died. Sorry, I'm laughing <laughs> because this is what not to say. Because especially being pregnant, I was so hormonal. And I went back and I said to my friends, I was like, don't hook me. You're not allowed to hook me. But I remember that lunch break and um, there was one of my colleagues. So my dad had passed 11 years ago and she was asking me about it. And I just wasn't really in the right frame of mind at that time to talk about it. But it turned out she found out that my dad had also passed. And, and she was like, oh, you have no parents. <laughs> it's like, um, okay, so don't say that. And then the other thing I'd say is there was another colleague. I'd say they should be in her late 50s. She was like, oh, God, I don't know how you're going to survive without your mother. <laughs> I couldn't do that. So I think empathizing is nice. But um, 
probably saying how hard it's going to be is probably not ideal. But yeah, just being there, just a listening ear. I think because some people want to talk about it and some people don't. I'm a mixture of the two. I think I do want to talk about it, but probably not at a four-year-old's birthday party. But I used to not want to talk about it because I was afraid of crying. I'm no longer afraid of crying. I think, you know, mothering without a mother is more common than I think I ever realized before I started Motherkind because I get so many messages about it and I know that so many people in our community are in that situation. Tell us a bit about your experience of of that or any sort of insights that you've got. Definitely. I think having these conversations, again, you're exactly right. You find out like more people have, for example, gone through miscarriage or got, you know, have lost a mother. But if you don't kind of say that in the first place, then that will be an unknown. You know, nothing will be said. And me personally, sometimes if you're going through the grief, it is quite insular and you don't really think about other people's circumstances. You just assume everyone else is getting on fine, but actually that's not the case at all. And everyone does have their own struggles as well. It's interesting because funnily enough, I was always closer to my dad than my mom, but I think I struggled a lot more losing my mom. And I think it was probably a combination of becoming a mother at the same time. There is just something about losing your mom that is incredibly intense yeah. And again, once you talk about it, you find your people and you're able to have your own little podcast and send them voice notes and you know that they get it as well. Yeah, it's so true. It is vulnerability that connects us. It's the truth that holds us together. You know, it's so true that. I wanted to ask you the last question, which I ask every guest, which is if you could give just one gift to all the mothers in the world, what would that one gift be and why? I do love this question and I do think of my own answers. It kind of depends on the day, but I've thought of this answer when I was in Germany. So I've come up with an invention that I feel like every single mother should have. It's a magic time button. And if you're feeling overwhelmed or upset, or you just need that space to yourself to do whatever you want, it could be exercise, it could be cleaning, it could be having a drink. You press that button and you immediately get an hour or three hours. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we all need that button. I'd be pushing it all the time now. I mean, I think it's called money and childcare, but it's not even that because this is an immediate, like when you feel like you need it. And the reason why I thought of this, because I had that moment and I had that magic time button because when I was in Germany, it was incredibly hot and I was absolutely melting. And it was lovely being with Chris's family. But of course it brings up like, oh, I miss my family. And, you know, my family like to have a drink. And it was during the day I ended up going to the playground with myself and my husband and the boys and uh, Will was napping and Chris was like, oh, do you want to go for a walk? I was like, yes, yes, please. I really needed that just time to myself to decompress. So I was pushing Will and I was just walking and walking and walking. And I found an oasis of this gorgeous market square and they served German beer. And I sat down, <laughs> I was in my element. I went in and he was like, oh no, you're going to have to spend more than five euros to use a credit card. So you're going to have to get it something else. I was like, okay, I'll have an ice cream then. So <laughs> I had my beer and my ice cream and I sat down and that's all that I needed. Like I was thinking of, you know, the last proper holiday that I really should have had was with Rebecca and I never got that holiday and I was able to just sit out and enjoy myself for 
like 40 minutes drinking beer and it was heaven. Then I came up with the magic time button that everyone should have. We need to make that happen somehow. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure if all of us mothers put our heads together, we could make that happen. (laughs) Surely we can come up with an invention. (laughs) Surely. Oh, Emma, thank you so much for sharing your story so vulnerably. And honestly, you know, I really, I feel really honoured that you think Motherkind is the safe enough space to do that. So thank you. And also, I just know that you sharing this is going to help so many other people whether they're going it through themselves or they're supporting someone that is so thank you so much I do really I really appreciate it and I never take it for granted the courage that it takes to share a story like this so thank you no worries at all and um yeah it's really good to chat thanks for having me So that was the episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. And if you did, please do remember to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this. It really does make a massive difference. Also, make sure you are subscribed so that you never miss an episode. And I will see you back here on Monday for our short moment clip where we share a transformational idea or tool in under 10 minutes that was definitely going to help you have a better week. I'll see you back here on Thursday for another in-depth interview and on Friday for another community episode. I will see you next time. 